I'm sure most of you might have heard the quote integrity is doing the right thing when no one is watching so integrity is something which is closely tied to someone's ethics and what are some of the ethics we should be following at work and at times when we have to make certain decisions we will be juggling between whether listening to the heart or listening to the mind and do we really know what we are doing and why we are doing Hello hi there welcome to the guiding voice podcast series the guiding voice for a better future this podcast is to help professional students it employees and entrepreneurs to shape their careers dear listeners in every episode we interact with industry experts or leaders or academicians or coaches across the globe to drive some insightful conversations that will help our audience learn great things also we share an interesting trivia or a fun fact about the it world or technology towards the end Thank you for tuning in. This is Naveen and with my co-host Sudhakar. So by now you might be aware of today's topic and it is ethics at work, listening to the heart and knowing why am I doing what I am doing. And we are pleased to welcome Marsha to discuss this critical topic in our show. The Reverend Dr. Marsha Ledford is a civil rights attorney representing society's most marginalized an anglican priest she earned her doctor of ministry in political theology from pacific school of religion dr letford founded political theology matters llc to help the faithful develop public theology missions for greater social justice marcia welcome to our show thank you very much for your invitation i'm delighted to be here Excellent. Marcia, before we get into the conversation on the topic that uh, Naveen has introduced, can we briefly talk about your professional journey so far? Yes, I started out as a civil rights attorney. I did that for three decades. And when I was a teenager, I sensed a call to ordained ministry. I wasn't seeing a whole lot of women doing that at the time. So I decided to go to college and then law school and uh, work to level the playing field, if you will, for people who are on the margins. And that's always been a hallmark of my working life, whether I've been lawyering or as an Anglican priest, but I had a ministry. Well, let's back up a little bit. I finally assented and went to seminary to pursue ordination. And um, my ministry in Southwest Detroit was with our Latino population. And I was just appalled at what I was seeing the U.S. immigration laws do to families. Even as a criminal defense attorney and a civil rights attorney, I'd never seen anything like this and i'm ashamed to say it because it's done in our name so i decided to study p- political theology or public theology you'll hear it both called both things at Pacific School of Religion in Berkeley, California. The Pacific School of Religion or PSR is part of the Graduate Theological Union out there and it is an interfaith preeminent school consortium of schools in theology. So I studied American politics, law, history and theology that relates Christian theology that relates to speaking faithfully in the public square for greater social justice. So that's in a nutshell what I've been up to. Wow, 3 decades of civil rights attorney. I'm sure you have gone through some really exciting and some painful cases and uh, 
situations. Yes, that's very true. I, I'm very glad to have this experience, I will say, because it very much informs what I'm doing now, which is to write and speak, you know, teach, preach about the importance of Christians, particularly progressive Christians, speaking in the American public square to help craft better laws and policies, because we've got a mess right now. Absolutely. And it's it's partly because people who support inclusion and compassion and so on are relatively quiet in the public arena. So they need a, a booster, if you will. So I guess that's what I am. I'm a booster. <laughs> Yeah, from the personal standpoint that you talked about, we all know ethics are the foundation pillars for us human beings. Yes. However, do you think that ethics are applicable in the professional world as well? Well, I think perhaps even more so in the professional and working world, because typically we have greater influence there. And when we approach our working life with a sense of what's right and what's wrong, we better serve society and we are better able to be an influencer for ethical conduct through our working lives. You know, we all know what's right and wrong, I think. Uh, some of us choose to ignore it. <laughs> But when we are treating people fairly, when we are influencing company policy with respect to polluting the environment with our manufacturing, for example, all of these things make a huge difference in terms of the quality of our lives in, as a society in total. So yes, I think, I think ethics are even more important at work. That's great. And we often hear across the role of ethics in some of the corporations that have their formal ombudsperson and complaints officers and all who constantly talk about the importance of ethics and all. And having worked for a company like uh, General Electric, I can proudly say that all of us are trained very well on this integrity part of it and ethics. So very well put through, mm -hmm. Marcia. And mm -hmm. slightly talking about your journey so far, right? We all have the power to do the right thing, right? However, mm -hmm. in the world, we see a lot of negativism and extremism. So how do people choose the right path? Any pointers out there? Well, I think the most important thing is, you know, there's a line from Shakespeare from Hamlet, to thine own self be true. And I think that we need to do a lot of inner work in terms of, you know, what's important to us? What are we doing and why? What motivates us to do the things that we do? Why do we work in the job that we work in? We have to understand that. And then when we are in our working capacity, when we're at when we're at the job, on the job, when we hear of something, a policy or a, a business decision that's being discussed and is about to be made, and we know that it doesn't resonate with us, then we have to be brave and exercise some courage and say, I don't agree with this and why. This is a hard thing to do sometimes, uh, particularly if you work in a, a climate where people are expected to basically do what they're told. This is not an environment necessarily that espouses ethics, in my opinion, because when you are dealing with ethics, there should be discussion. There should be an evaluation. There should be taking a hard look at what's going on and what the ramifications of such a decision would be. Uh, and as a younger person, this is an especially hard thing to do to to challenge authority, to challenge the managers, you know, about what is to be done. 
But the best you can do is give your opinion and recognizing that you're not the decision maker, at least you have spoken up. And that helps you maintain your own integrity. You know, we were talking about integrity is doing stuff when nobody's looking. Well, there's a another component of that, and it's making sure that whatever your truth is, that you stay as close to that as you possibly can. That's integrity also. Honesty, having some moral principles and sticking with those, even though it may be difficult. It's a tall order, especially for a younger person, maybe in your first or second career job. But it is so important because guess what, folks? This is what helps us sleep at night when we stay to our our, our moral truth. Very important. Absolutely, I concur with you. Like in case if you are following the integrity and if you are true to yourself, you can sleep well at night. Very well. Yes. So, yeah. Yes. So, so great statement. It's a good there. test. It's a good text test, actually, Naveen. If if you are sleeping good at night and you feel good about your doing that, you know, keep doing it. <laughs> good. It's a good test. Absolutely. So, Marcia, talking about one of the points that I mentioned earlier, like heart or mind, which one should we follow and why? And especially we, the reason we would like to hear from you is because you have proven your middle in the industry with three decades of experience and you have garnered so much of experience through life. So definitely we would like you to share this aspect so that we and our audience can learn more about it. Okay, that's an interesting question. And so I'm going to use a prayer that I say all the time. The fourth line of it, there's only five lines. The fourth line of it is God be in my heart and in my thinking. Now you would, this is an old prayer too. This prayer is like five or 600 years old. It's called the serum prayer. And as we are developing in the womb, the cells that form our heart and form our brain are the same cells. The only thing that differentiates them is how they travel. So the ones that go up become our brain cells and the ones that go to our chest are in our heart cells, which I think is a really beautiful way of looking at this. Because some might say, well, you're kind of splitting a hair to make a difference by saying, you know, what's more important, the heart or the head? Well, the head drives everything. But there are two kinds of thinking to my mind. There's the thinking that goes on in our brain that is um, constantly being bombarded by our own thoughts number one, and all the information that we take in on a daily basis. And it's very noisy and very crowded in there. And plus, there's just the survival systems that are being run by our brain. So there's all this stuff going on. But in our heart, I think that when we use our heart to guide ourselves, that kind of emotion and thinking is a lot less crowded. There's a lot less in there busying up or gumming up the works. Because down here, you know, we know what is most important. We know what drives us. We know who we would save in a fire. We know, we know what our dreams are because of here. So I would say it's the heart because it houses sort of the ground of our being, if you will. And that's the most important. Great points. So in brain, you are more crowded, more busy thinking and processing because that is what mm-hmm. it is, that is what it does as part of its nature. So right here in heart, it is less crowded, so you can have more emotional thought process and you can take rightful decisions. Amazing, Marcia. On that part, what is one decision of yours that actually changed your life significantly? 
Uh, I think it was the ministry in Southwest Detroit with our, our Latino populations. I learned so much in that experience. I was also angered, disgusted at a, a level I can't really describe in words. And it motivated me to say, I am going to study and think and write and teach about this because this violates my moral through line, what is happening here. And as an attorney, of course, I want to see laws that make sense and are not punitive and uh, don't hurt people. That's not what laws are supposed to do. Laws are supposed to protect people and improve the quality of our lives in society. And the uh, American Immigration Act is not doing that right now. It's, it's an embarrassment. And so deciding to study and then starting uh, political Theology Matters has been just an amazing experience and opportunity for me. I love what I'm doing. I absolutely love what I'm doing. Excellent. So, Marcia, there is this proverb or saying, right? Success has many fathers. Failure is an orphan. Yeah. So, how to ensure we own the actions and results? Because we have seen typically like, you know, people take credit for success, even if it is other success. But the moment you get a failure, you try to pass the buck to someone else, blame others. Well, I think that we all naturally want to do this from time to time to deflect the mistakes that we've made. For some, it's really hard to admit that you've made a mistake. Uh, some can't admit it at all, ever. And I think that's a real falling down place because admitting your mistakes requires some humility. And I think that life requires humility. And we need to be able to say when we've messed up. Number one, whenever we name something that's negative, negative in our lives and or an enemy or a, you know an addiction or whatever it may be whenever we do that we uh, gain some power on it and this is very important naming things that are mistakes or are difficult in our lives helps us to identify it and then it automatically loses just a little bit of power. It has more power when it remains a mystery to us or when we ignore it or we avoid it or we deny it's even there. And good leaders can admit when they're wrong. So if you want to be a leader, you have to be able to acknowledge when something doesn't work. I think that's a huge component of being a leader. And you can always, when you identify something has, as having not worked, then you can learn from it and develop a way to either eradicate the problem or amend it, make it better, lessen it, whatever it is that you know needs to be done. But skipping over mistakes and failing to acknowledge when there's an issue is, I think, one of the biggest mistakes of all. When we avoid a mistake or when we avoid anything, we end up putting a lot of energy into the, the avoidance rather than taking that energy and putting it towards the solution, finding the solution of the problem. And so keep that in mind. Avoidance is a bad, bad thing. Locking stuff up in the floorboards of our consciousness does not do us any good. And then denying the truth of a failure or a mistake or whatever creates an opportunity to write an alternate uh, reality in our minds. And that is no good. So the best thing to do is to acknowledge when there's a problem and deal with it as soon as you can, because likely it will only get worse if you don't. So there, that's my view on, on dealing with failure and dealing with mistakes. Yeah, wonderful. This reminded me of one quote 
it says when you are winning accolades probably you as a leader should stand last in the line and when your team is facing some failures and being blamed for failures you should be the first one to stand in front of the team right yeah well that's what a leader does it, for the good and the bad <laughs> exactly yep. so marsha we have been having a very serious conversation till now on those <laughs> wonderful topics So let us lighten up the mood by learning a little bit more about Marcia. So we would like to put you through a quick rapid fire session. Are you ready for Okay. <laughs> okay, great. So here comes the first bullet out of the rapid fire round. What is the last picture that you clicked using a camera? Okay. Yesterday I was texting with my dad who is 91 and he's doing great. So he was giving me the business cuz I was still working and it was like 6:30 on Friday evening. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he was telling me you need to knock it off. So finally, uh, we made a little cheese tray, little hors d'oeuvre, you know, and a cocktail and whatnot. So I took a picture of that and sent it to him to say, "All right, you know, leave me alone. We we're off the clock now." So there you go. So it was a little uh, hors d'oeuvre tray. Cool. So here comes the next one. What is your favorite TV show? Let's see. The regular networks here in the United States, it's The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Sheldon Cooper, that's right. And, you know, it's the show the show is over, but I still watch the reruns. <laughs> here comes the interesting one, Marcia. What do you usually share on the social media? I don't post a lot of personal stuff. I mm-hmm. mostly repost quotes and cute memes and stuff like that. Like I said, I kind of draw a line with the personal and the public. So, uh once in a while I I'll post a, I would post a picture of my dog or something like that. Great. Here comes the next one, Marcia. Okay. Happiness for you is Happiness for me is uh sitting on the beach with a, a good book. Awesome. Okay. Next one. Who is your idol that you look up to? Who is an idol that I look up to? I look up to President Obama a lot. Wow. He's so inspiring. And oh, in fact, many of our conversations we come across Michelle Obama as well as a role model for many of our uh, women speakers. Yeah. Hats off. Yeah. And Michelle, <laughs> both of yeah. them. Yeah. Okay. Here comes the last one for the rapid fire. What is the weirdest food you have ever tasted and where was oh. it? Oh. <laughs> I ate something in um Chinatown in San Francisco and I don't know what it was but it didn't go over so good but I don't know what it's called. I remember that is a big regret. Wow. <laughs> disappointing because I love going to Chinatown for uh-huh. some of the best Chinese food outside of China, I'm sure. Okay. Cool. So thank you for the honest and wonderful answers as part of Rapid Fire and really appreciate it. Over to you Sudhakar. <laughs> So Marcia before we go to the final question for this session we want you to reveal your secret with us we got to know that you are in the final stages of releasing your book can you reveal a bit a more like a peek view into that book to us Well sure I'd be glad to do that. Yes, this book is basically a how to for doing faith-based advocacy. So it goes through the first part is about our understanding our inner workings like I referred to earlier and then finding a group to work with and finding issues that are important to us. And uh then the second part is uh a little bit of history and background on what has gone on in in the United States. and why race is such an issue and and the third part is uh, different ways to be 
vocal in the public square from a faith perspective. Excellent. I'm sure along with us, our audience also will be looking forward to it. And we would love to host you once you formally release the book. That would give us an opportunity to talk more about your book and some of the topics that you touch in that. I would be delighted to do that. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Marcia. This has been an amazing conversation. One final question for this session. What yes, is your sir. one piece of advice to those aspiring to make big in their careers? To make big in their careers? Uh, When an opportunity presents itself, generally speaking, I say take it. Anytime that we can learn and experience new things, it empowers us and, and opens more doors for us in future. And I think that that's really key. Sometimes we know there's an opportunity, but we're just not sure. And it maybe it's risky or you gotta move or you gotta make some big Uh, life modifications in order to do it. And I would say if it has the potential to present you with positive learnings and experiences, I say go for it. Uh, One of my favorite quotes, since you gentlemen have shared some of yours, is uh, you don't get a dress rehearsal in life. You know, we don't get a dress rehearsal. So we have to go for it. And I have done several different things in my working life, and they're all helping me right now. And so I say go for it. Excellent. The icing on the cake was that quote, you don't get a dress rehearsal. Amazing. Marcia, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a great experience to talk to you about ethics at work, listening to your heart, you know, understanding why you are doing what you are doing. It has been phenomenal discussion and we really thank you for taking time for us today. Well, thank you so very much, and and thank you, and, uh, you know, well-being to your audience. Wonderful. It was a pleasure hosting you, Marcia. Thanks again for being part of the TGV journey. And folks, if you have liked this episode, please share with at least three of your friends or colleagues for whom you care for. Because the Guiding Voice podcast series is a purely not-for-profit venture, and our team puts in a lot of effort to bring the best conversations to all our listeners. And our purpose is very clear. We want to provide curated guidance to all the professional students out there, be it from engineering, B-schools, and all the IT employees and entrepreneurs, so that all of you can make informed decisions based on the insights that are driven by the industry experts, coaches, leaders, or academicians across the globe. Because if you share this with your friends, it helps them also learn great insights from every episode. Or if you are listening to the Guiding Voice podcast on the Apple podcast, please do not forget to leave a review and a five-star rating because every rating will help us expand our reach and contribute to our mission to shape the careers and lives of millions of people across the globe. And if you are watching the episode on YouTube, please do not forget to hit the like button and subscribe to our channel. And last but not the least, I want to reiterate, please share with at least three of your friends or colleagues. Thank you so much in advance. Alright, so it brings us to the trivia segment of today's episode. And folks, today's trivia is about Apple products. Do you know smoking not only burns our lungs and pockets, but it can also void your Apple product warranties. Yes, you heard it right. Apple has the policy to safeguard their technicians from any toxic work environment. In case if you want to stay safe and have a valid warranty on your Apple products, don't let people smoke near any of them. Interesting, isn't it? 
thank you for listening yes. there is more in store folks stay tuned take care be safe until next time bye bye and we are signing off for today